Thanks for checking out the Church RC podcast today. If you're new to the Church RC or want to learn more about us, you can always check us out online simply by going to thechurchrc.com. Or we'd love for you to stay connected throughout your week and everywhere you go with the Church RC app, available for free wherever you download your apps. We are in a series here at the church called Summer at the Church, and which basically means we can preach whatever we want for the next few weeks. Um, but Brian was speaking last week, and um, I really feel like God just gave me a message for you. And so I really believe that this isn't a um, cheer you on message. This is a grow you up kind of message. Um, but how many of you guys know that every good dinner, you need some, you don't need to just eat desserts. You need your meats and ve- meat and vegetables, right? And so we're all grown up here, right? We can handle this. So we are going to be in first Peter chapter five, verse eight. We're going to read this together. Be sober, be vigilant because your adversary, the devil walks about like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And then we're going to jump over to Genesis chapter three. We got a little bit of Bible read today, but that's okay. Right now, the serpent was more subtle and crafty than any living creature of the field, which the Lord God had made. And he, Satan said to the woman, can it really be that God has said, you shall not eat from every tree in the garden. And the woman said to the serpent, we may eat of the fruit from the trees of the garden, except the fruit from the tree, which is in the middle of the garden. God has said, you shall not eat of it. Neither shall you touch it lest you die. But the serpent said to the woman, you shall not surely die for God knows that in the day that you eat of it, your eyes will be opened and you will be like God, knowing the difference between good and evil, blessing and calamity. And when the woman saw that the tree was good uh, for food and delightful to look at and a tree to be desired in order to make one wise, she took of the fruit and ate. And she gave some also to her husband and he ate. Then the eyes of them both were opened and they knew that they were naked and they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves apron like girdles. That sounds interesting, doesn't it? And then they heard the sound of the Lord walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves for the presence of the Lord among the trees in the garden. But the Lord called to Adam and said to him, where are you? And he said, I heard the sound of you walking in the garden and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. The first time man's ever told God about his weakness. And he said, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree which I commanded you that you should not eat? And the man said, the woman who you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit from the tree and ate. And then the Lord said to the woman, who is this that you, what is this you have done? And the woman said, the serpent beguiled, cheated, outwitted, and deceived me, and I ate it. Um, If you're taking notes today, and I hope you are, because we have a saying here at the church that paper never forgets. I want you to title this message, the devil made me do it. The devil made me do it. Can we pray together? Jesus, we just thank you, God, that this is a God-appointed word at a God-appointed time. And Father, we just thank you that every ear be open and receptive, that every heart will be softened for the seed of the word of God. Father, declare in this place that every life will be changed, that no one will leave the same. In Jesus' name, and everybody who believed it said, amen. 
you know, there's a lot of games that I was terrible at in school and um, pretty much every game. And uh, I was not very good. I was not very athletic, which is amazing because in our student ministry, our students like owned it at camp and like won all this stuff. And if I would have been a student in their student ministry, I would have single-handedly lost everything for them. And uh, But one of the games I hated growing up was Red Rover, Red Rover. Did y'all hate that game? I hated that game. Whenever we would go to play Red Rover, Red Rover, this was my number one prayer, Shane. Please don't call my name. Like that was just my only prayer is just please don't call my name. I would pray for everybody else. But see, I was really tall and really lanky. I think I was about five foot 10 in the fifth grade. And so uh, seriously, I was awkwardly tall at all the middle school dances. The guys had their head on my stomach as I danced with them like this. And uh, so I was always their target because I'm tall and I'm really thin, really lanky. And so they're like, yeah, we choose her almost every time. And I would never be able to break through them, you know, and I I hated that game. And, but there was another game that I loved and see most games, you don't want to be it. You don't want to be the person called, whether it's hide and go seek. You don't want to be the one trying to find them, be it tag. You don't want to be the one that's trying to chase all your friends down to tag them. Come on. But the one game I love to be it is mother may I. I love that game because it's like all of your friends are your little minions and they can't do anything without your permission. Come on. And they say, mother, may I take three steps? And you're like, you may take one baby step. And they're like, okay. But see, the fun part was, is they could only do what you told them they could do. And I think about this because I think a lot of times as Christians, we don't realize that we are in a spiritual battle. And in fact, I was reading a poll, the other, a poll, a Barma poll the other day, and it said that 60% of Christians don't believe that there's a devil. That's shocking to me that 60% of Christians don't believe that there is a devil. And I think about this because I always think that there's two kinds of Christians. There's the Christians that think that we're just subject to whatever happens to us in life that we'll just take it as it comes and whatever will be, will be. And then there's the other kind of Christians that's very aware that there's a very real devil and that they can do something to live the abundant life that Jesus has called them to live. And I'll just say this. I think there's more Christians in column A than column B. But I was reading this scripture the other day and it was like sirens went off in my mind because if you're in church at any length of time at all, you have heard 1 Peter 5, 8, right? Be sober, be vigilant for your adversary, the devil goes about as a roaring lion, see, who he may devour. I mean, I've heard it so many times, but all of a sudden I was reading it the other day and it says who he may devour. And it took me back to the playground of mother may I. And that in other words, the enemy is constantly trying to wage an attack on our life. And the person he's asking permission from is the Christian. But when the Christian doesn't know that they're in a spiritual battle, they're saying yes every day. They're saying, you know, it's just the way it is. Kids will be rebellious. This is the way it goes. This is just the way things are. Financial downturn is just part of it. This is just the way it goes. And you know what? What you're saying is, devil, yes, you may. Yes, you may take my finances. Yes, you may have my children. Yes, you may have my marriage. And I'll just tell you this, that the Bible says that all authority and power has been given to us as believers. So that means the devil can't take anything from you unless you let him take it. Is somebody getting something out of this? So I want to ask you a question is what's being stolen from you? What are you, what are you just going? Well, I just, my feelings made me do it. My boss made me do it. 
The finances made me do it. My kids made me do it. And like you're subject to everything else. Let me just tell you, I'm here to announce to you that you are not a victim to this life. That Jesus called you to walk the face of the earth, to rule and to reign and to be a kingdom influencer. And you don't have to just say, well, we'll just see what today holds. You can start commanding your day to be the way that God has called it to be. The blood of Jesus, and I want you to get this in you. The blood of Jesus has saved your soul but the word of God is what keeps you safe. I think there's a lot of Christians here. You can live your entire life and go to, go to be with Jesus in eternity, but never live heaven on earth. And God has called you. Think about the Lord's prayer. Your kingdom come, your will be done. In other words, Jesus is showing them you can live heaven on earth, but you have to enforce it. Again, the blood of Jesus saved your soul, but the word of God keeps you safe. So what's interesting in this is 60% of Christians don't believe that there's a devil. Are you ready for an even more startling statistic? 57% of Christians only read their Bible one to three times a year. So if the word of God keeps us safe and we don't really believe there's a devil, no wonder why we don't put the word of God as priority in our life. Because we really don't think that we're under attack. And we wonder why our life looks no different than everybody else's life. Come on, somebody. When all the day, every day, from the moment you wake up, Mother May I is happening. And the enemy's going, may I take your peace? And you're going, yes, you may. And he's going, may I take your marriage? Yes, you may. May I take your thoughts and give you anxiety and worry and stress? And you're going, yes, you may. And you think that God's failing you. And the truth is God's not failing you. It's just that you haven't realized that the word of God has come to keep you safe. And you don't have to live your life victim to whatever the enemy sends your way. I think about this, that the Bible says in uh, Genesis 3, 1, it says, now the serpent was more subtle and crafty than any living creature. You know, I think it's amazing because we think that we're smarter than the devil. And I'll show you how. We'll say, this relationship really isn't hurting anything. It's not a big deal what I listen to and what I watch. I know that the Lord's convicted me of it, but it's no big deal for me. I'm safe. It's fine. See, the enemy was more crafty and more sneaky than any living thing. I think about this and we just moved out to the country. We're living that country life, y'all. I got tomatoes. We got a tractor. I'm telling you, just living that country life. Blake, did you ever think I'd be living the country life? I'm just living that country life. I'm like, man, my goal in life now is like, I want some cows and I want them to be like my friends that I eat. Amen. Not that I don't eat my friends. Anyways, that came out kind of weird. <laughs> But we were out in the country and we had our friends over and I'll just say this. I believe that all dogs go to heaven. I just believe that cats, the jury's still out, but I'm certain of this snake and rats are going straight to hell. Like I'm pretty sure hell's miserable because it's just full of snakes and rats. Can we get an amen? And so we're sitting on our back porch. We have friends over. And you know, when your friends come over, like you don't pull out the Dixie China, like you pull out the good stuff, you know, like your real plates that you have to wash. Come on. And uh, so you have your friends over and we just moved in. We're hanging out on our back porch and everything's great and awesome. And they're like, we love your place. I'm like, I know we're just living that country life. And then my friend Candace Martinez looks over in the corner. She goes, I think you have a snake on your back porch. I'm like, no, honey, I don't have a snake on my back porch. 
I can tell you a lot of things about my house, but my house is God's house and there's no snakes around this house in Jesus' name. She's like, no, for real, I really think that's a snake. I'm like, that's not a snake. It is not a snake. And so I call for Brian. I'm like, babe, can you just show Candace that this is not a snake over there in that corner? And he touches it and it's this big, huge snake. I was freaking out. I'm like, I've sat out here with my children. I've like been trying to make memories with them. We are totally unprotected. We have no knives, no guns, nothing. I mean, and there was a snake there the whole time and I'm freaking out, right? So I go and get on top of the hot tub because I think, well, the snake won't go near water, right? And so I'm standing on the brick ledge near a hot tub and I'm like, oh, like screaming and my heart's like, oh, but what's interesting was it was there the whole time and I didn't even realize it. And I think a lot of times that's the way the enemy is. It says that he was more subtle and more crafty than any living thing. And I'll just say this. I don't think we study the enemy as much as we should. And I don't think we're aware of him as much as we should. And I would just like to submit to you that there's probably areas of your life right now that are under attack of the enemy and you don't even know it. You don't even know it. So um, I'm going to give you this. The enemy made two perfect people in a perfect relationship with God compromise on what he told them to do. In Genesis chapter three, we see two perfect people in perfect relationship with God compromise on what he told them to do. Now, if the enemy could get them to compromise, how much easier is it for him to get you to compromise? So today I wanna tell you that the enemy will try to defeat you by TLC. All right, T, so the first thing I want you to write down is the enemy's gonna try to overtake you in your thoughts. In your thoughts. Think about this. He, the serpent came up to her and he said, did God really say that you couldn't eat of every tree? And see, this is the way the enemy works in our life is he's going to make you question what God has said. Did God really say that you're supposed to tithe? You're the exception to the rule. Did God really say that you need to raise your kids in church? I mean, it's not important that you're there every Sunday. Did God really say that you're supposed to forgive everybody? Because I'm pretty sure you're merited and right to be unforgiving towards that person. See, the enemy will come in and he'll try to twist the word of God. See, the, the enemy knows the Bible and he knows how to twist it just enough to make you question what God said. Let's look at this scripture in 2 Corinthians 10. Four and five, it says, for the weapons of our warfare are not physical weapons of flesh and blood, but they are mighty before God for the overthrow and the destruction of strongholds. So I want you to think about this, is that your enemy, it tells you right here, is not your husband, it's not your mother-in-law, it's not your coworker, it's not your best friend, it's not the things, it's not the bank. It tells you that your, your enemy is not other people, but this is a spiritual battle that you're in because there's a real living devil. Can I get an amen? But how do we overcome? It tells us that for our weapons are not carnal. So what are our weapons then? And it tells us this, our weapons are not carnal for destroying unsophisticated arguments and every exalted and proud thing that sets itself up against the true knowledge of God. And we are taking every thought and purpose captive to the obedience of Christ. So your greatest weapon against the enemy is right here. Because everything in your life first starts with a thought. 
And the devil knew that if he could get, he could get Eve to sin, if he could get in her head, if he could get inside her head, that's why husbands and wives, be careful the way you think about your spouse. Divorce doesn't happen the day you sign the papers. Divorce happens the day you begin to think bad about them. When you begin to think on those things, see your thoughts is the place where the enemy will begin to wage war. The next thing I want you to write down is lies. Lies. The enemy will try to overcome you by lies. In 1897, there was a man in England who died of starvation. When his children came and found him, that was reported that he was dead. They were completely, completely dumbfounded for the man had a hundred million dollars in his bank account. $100 million. And yet he died of starvation. In 1906, there was a woman in New York who died and she died with $100,000 in the bank. And she would died upon the bed where she had hidden $40,000 in the mattress. She was so afraid of lack that she starved herself to death. And I think about this because the enemy comes in and it's the lies that he tells us about ourselves and about our situation when God's given us everything we need in his word. And even though that sounds silly just to die of starvation when you have a hundred million in the bank account, I think it's amazing that we see Christians dying spiritually when they have everything they need in the word of God. And yet they're believing lie after lie. And I'll just tell you that the enemy will always tell you that you don't have what you really have in God. See, the, here the serpent is, and he's like, can you not eat of the, every tree in the garden? And she goes, no, we can eat of any tree but this one. And I think it's interesting because wherever the enemy is telling you that you're not, it's because you really are. So if he's telling you that you're not talented, it's because he knows you really are. If he's telling you that you're not going to be successful, it's because he knows that you really are. See, he's always going to challenge you with a lie because he really knows the truth. And he knows if he can get you to believe the lie enough, then you'll be just like those people who died of starvation with thousands of dollars in their account. I think the saddest moment when we get to heaven, and I want you to hear this, I think the saddest moment when we get to heaven is not gonna be the sins that we've committed because all of our sins are under the blood of Jesus. I believe the saddest moment when you get to heaven is God's gonna open up the door and he's gonna show you everything you could have had if you really believed him. Everything you could have done, everything you could have seen, everything that he wanted for your life, and you just surrendered it over to the enemy day after day after day. I think what's interesting is the two things that the enemy tries to lie to us about is number one is that God's trying to keep something good from us. We start to say things like this, if God loved me, why did this happen? If prayer worked, why hasn't my prayers been answered? If giving really worked, why why aren't my finances better? See, the enemy tried to get Eve to believe that God was withholding something good from her. And when we start to believe that lie, we become our own provider. The second thing that the lie the enemy tries to tell us is that people are trying to keep something good from us. He'll tell us things like this, like, they don't really like you. They don't really appreciate you. They're not for you. Because why? The enemy knew to get to Eve, he had to get her isolated and alone. Let me just tell you, the same is true in your own life. You want to know why the biggest thought battle happens in your mind when you lay in bed alone at night? It's because the enemy knows he's got you alone. So he can come in and wage attack on your mind. And I'm running out of time. Woo. Let me put it this way. Whatever you aren't taking, whatever thoughts you aren't taking captive have already taken you captive.
And a lie becomes your own personal truth when you believe it. And it becomes the truth that you live by. What lies have you been living under that you're never going to make it out of this? Nobody really loves you. The saddest story I've ever heard is Brian, whenever he was in San Angelo, there was a girl that committed suicide in his school. And the letter, all it said was, they said. And I think every day when we believe the lies of the enemy, we, all we have is they said. And let me just tell you, when your life is run by they said, you're always going to go through, down a path of destruction. But we need to get to a place where we say, God said. Because God's word is the truth that we should be living by. Amen. The last one that the enemy tries to overcome us with is condemnation. And this is what hangs up more Christians than anything else. Right, This right here, condemnation. Now the Holy Spirit, let me just say, there's a difference between conviction and condemnation. Okay. Conviction is from God. Condemnation is from the enemy. Conviction is always the voice of the Holy Spirit. And it's always through a voice of love. And it's specific to the exact act. And it's always helpful. Okay. Condemnation works like this. It's angry. It's threatening. And it's general. And it usually sounds like this. You're never going to make it. You always mess up. You're never going to get out of this. You're always going to have this problem. It's always, you can't make it. You can't do it. See how belittling it is? But the voice of the Holy Spirit is, hey, you shouldn't have talked to her like that. Yeah, I put my love in you to show love to others. You need to go back and tell her you're sorry. Conviction is always specific. But what's sad is we listen to the enemy's voice, which is condemnation. And condemnation has this one goal. It's to separate you from God. Because he knows that if he can make you feel shameful enough, that you'll walk away from the very one who loved you. Think about Adam and Eve. They messed up. And what did they do? They went and hid themselves when they heard God coming. And I think that's what we do in our own lives. We hide ourselves from coming to church. We hide ourselves from getting in God's word. We hide ourselves from beginning to open up in a community group. Why? Because we're under the influence of condemnation. But let me just tell you this. Conviction is always to help you. I feel like I've got a thousand messages and I've got so little time. I'll just tell you this. I was at a camp recently and um, I went to a conference rather. And I was with uh, Wes and C-Figs, Crystal Figueroa. And we were sitting at dinner and it was really stupid. And I was sitting there at dinner and I, there was a speaker coming that night and I was sitting at dinner with them and I, it came out of my mouth. And after it came out of my mouth, I thought, Ooh, I don't know where that came from. I said, I don't really like them. I don't think they're a really good speaker. They're not my favorite. And Wes goes, really? I've never heard him before. I said, "Ah, he's not really good. You're you're not going to like him. And immediately the Holy Spirit was like, you're wrong. This is true. Hi, Wes. I'm telling you the truth. So we get to church that night and I'm trying to worship and I can't worship. And the Holy Spirit's like, you need to go to Wes and tell him you're sorry. And I'm like, Holy Spirit, I'm worshiping. This is a moment about me. It's not about you. Okay. I was like, I'll tell him later. And the Holy Spirit was like, okay, but you're going to tell him sorry. And I was like, okay. And so then the speaker gets to get up on the stage and the man from the platform was introducing him, just giving him honor. And he said, well, everybody please stand on your feet and help me welcome this speaker. And everybody in the auditorium stood up, but Wes. And the Holy Spirit said, when you sow dishonor, dishonor is what you'll reap. And he said, he's a reflection of your heart right now. And I 
was, I was so grieved. And I went over to Wes and I said, I was wrong. I shouldn't have said that about him. He's a gifted man of God. I don't know where that came from. I apologize. Who am I to say that he's lesser? Who am I to say that? And I'm telling you, you sitting down was not a reflection of you. It was a reflection of me and the dishonor I sowed in your heart. Now that is conviction. And the moment I said, sorry, it was like a ton of bricks was lifted off of me. I was like, whew, thank you, God. And you know what? It wasn't even front on my mind anymore. In Psalms, it says this in Psalms 103, verse 12. And I'm closing. As far as the east is from the west, so far has he removed our transgressions from us. You know, Brian said this last week and I thought about it and I thought about from us. Like, what does that from us mean? And all of a sudden it hit me and us is plural. And us means there's more than one person up there in this together. Is somebody tracking with me? And so I thought about like this, Bear, give me, come up here. Bear, come up here with that bouncy ball real quick. And I need one of my youth boys. Where are you at? Reagan, get up here. And I think about it like this, like I'm Jesus. Okay, no, Jesus isn't transgender. Please don't send me an email. Just, we're just pretending, okay? So I'm Jesus and Bear, come in, come here, son. He's just made a mistake and he's here in worship and he gives me his sin. And it says, so far has he removed it from us and he gets rid of your sin. But this is what we do in our life is we go back to the sin and we sit with the sin and we wonder why we don't feel God's presence. Cause he says, so far has he removed it from us. So then the next week we take back the sin And we bring it back to God and say, God, I'm sorry, I did that two weeks ago. And he's like, I I don't even remember it. And then you go back to the sin and you sit with it. Let me tell you, friend, the reason why you're in this pattern of sin after sin after sin is because you keep going back and grabbing the sin. And every time you bring the sin to God, he gets rid of it, but you're going back to it. And you're wondering why you're not hearing God's voice, why you're not feeling his presence, why it doesn't feel like he's near you. Because here's the thing is God is holy and he can't be with it and with you. He's either going to be with you or with it, but you've got to let it go. And you got to realize that conviction, yes, you were wrong. Thank you guys. Can you give it up for them? Yes, you were wrong when you committed the act, but it didn't mean that you had to forever be with it. Because he said, so far has he removed it from us. And I'll just tell you, if you're here in this place and you feel like, man, I just feel like there's been this block spiritually and I'm not getting anything out of the word and I'm not getting anything out of worship and I'm not getting anything. Let me ask you, are you with God or are you with it? Are you sin conscious or are you God conscious? Because when you're God conscious, all of a sudden now you get under the free flow of heaven and everything begins to change. Can I pray with you today? Jesus, thank you so much that we don't have to be ignorant to the enemy's devices. That, Father, I thank you that right now through the power of your Holy Spirit, that, God, you've equipped us to overcome. Right now, every person in this place that their mind has been attacked with negative thoughts, Lord, we break that now in Jesus' name. Father, every person in this place that's been under the influence of a lie, and I'll just tell you this, that a lie is to separate you from people and to separate you from God. And right now we just break the back of that lie. We say that the truth will be shown on that lie and they will not be under the influence of it any longer in Jesus' name. Father, to every person in this place that's been under the influence of condemnation and it's separated them from God, 
Lord, I thank you that they're gonna realize today that so far have you removed our sins from us. That God, I thank you that we're gonna begin to have a right relationship with you, not because we're perfect, but because you're perfect in Jesus' name. At The Church RC, we aim to help you encounter Jesus. If this ministry has blessed you in any way and you'd like to contribute financially, you can go online to thechurchrc.com slash giving. If you have a story to share about how God is moving in your life, send us an email at amen at thechurchrc.com.